I just felt like we ought to do a little bit more on being like God because uh, the scripture says that we're supposed to be imitators of God as dear children. And so once you get saved, you start trying to be like your father, not in the place uh, uh, of, uh, you know, ruling the world basically, or the omniscience and omnipotence that God would have. But as a father, we want to be like our, as a son, we want to be like our father. So that's a goal of ours, to have the right character, the right heart, the right pursuits, the right perspective, and other things. So we're supposed to be imitators of God. How many of you are attempting to be imitators of God? The way he, he loves, the way he thinks, the way he acts, the way he talks, relationship with other people, just like God would have. All right. And then we talked about being just like Jesus. He was meek and lowly in heart. We got to get humble. Our goal is to, to follow the steps of Jesus, that we should follow in his steps, and that includes a whole lot of things. So you follow the ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and you start realizing, I need to be more like Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about being just like Christ. To some degree, when we say Jesus and when we say Christ, it's synonymous, but Jesus presents one aspect of the Lord, and Christ presents another aspect of the Lord. And today we're going to kind of look at that, and so you can at least cover both sides of it. Uh, his name is not Jesus Christ. Jesus was his name. Jesus of Nazareth was his particular name, but Christ is his description and his office. His office is that of Messiah. And that's what Christ represents is Messiah. Technically, the word Christ means anointed. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus anointed. Really, the word Christ should have been translated into English like all the other Greek words. So we should be reading in the Bible, Jesus anointed, Jesus the anointed one. Jesus anointed, Jesus the anointed one, Jesus the anointed one, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the anointed one, the long-awaited one with power, anointed with what? Anointed with power, anointed with the Holy Spirit from God. So you understand where we're headed with this, so, so that you understand Jesus is the man. Jesus is the son of man, the son of Mary and Joseph, but the son of God. Jesus called himself the son of man more than he called himself the son of God. So that you can understand he was a man and we need to be able to identify with Jesus as the man clothed with God. So Jesus from Nazareth was the man. Then when he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he became the Christ. He was always planned to be the Christ, always planned to be the Messiah. But then he became the Christ as well. So now he's Jesus Christ. And you'll see in the New Testament, many times the word Jesus is used by itself. And, and they preach Jesus. And then other times it was, they preached Christ. Right. Amen. And we might see some of that today, I'm not sure. Uh, but when they preached Jesus, people got saved. When they preached Christ, people got healed. Amen. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. Under the, he preached the anointed one with power to them. Right. And they all got they were all amazed. There was great joy in the city because people got healed and delivered and they saw demons coming out and screaming. And there was great joy in that city because he preached Christ to them. And then they got saved. Then they got baptized. Then they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so when you preach Jesus, it's one, one aspect. When you preach Christ, it's another aspect. Jesus Christ together could be, you could say that for his name. We say it all the time, right? But just don't think of it as that's his first and last name. Christ's not his last name. It's his office. The anointed one, the one with power. Christ means anointed. Anointed with what? It means anointed with the Holy Spirit. Anoint means to, to put on. You ever put lotion on yourself? You, you anointed yourself with lotion. Well, when you're anointed with the Holy Spirit, or Jesus anointed with the Holy Spirit, he, was, he had the Holy Spirit rubbed on him. Or it could be poured over. The word anoint means to pour over. You ever poured anything over you? You ever taken a bath, not in a shower? I mean, a sh okay, that's not a good example. 
To pour over is also to anoint. So God poured the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. Technically, the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. So let's read some scripture here and get a picture of Jesus the Christ, okay? Because we're going to be just like Christ. Keep in mind, we're going to be just like Christ. We're just like Jesus, just like the Son of God, just like Christ. So let's read here 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the cross is the power of God. For it's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. That's why the gospel is controversial. That's why the gospel is hard for some to receive because it doesn't make sense to the natural wisdom of the world. Natural wisdom of the world says, be as good as you can and God might save you. The spiritual wisdom says it has nothing to do with how good you are. It has to do with what you believe in your heart. Verse 22, for the Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Greeks meaning non-Jews, Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. We can say Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, but the anointed, that word, anoint, that word Christ is Creo or Christos, anointed one, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's, what, that's our message. We preach Christ, the anointed one, the power of God, the wisdom of God. That's our message. Our message is not just a history lesson. Our message is a, a person. Christ, the power and the wisdom. When, when I, we first started the ministry, Stevenson Ministries, that was the slogan, Christ, preaching Christ, the power of God. And the wisdom of God. So we endeavored to be very familiar with both. Amen. The power of God and the wisdom of God. Right. Every believer in here needs to get familiar with the power of God Amen. and the wisdom of God. Amen. And that really is the exciting part about Christianity. Most of you have felt that. If you haven't felt that, get a little closer to the Lord. Come, come one step further. Come down, come down and expect one extra thing to happen to you. So that you get thrilled with the power of God. Has anybody ever been thrilled with the power of God? Has anybody ever realized, you know, you come into the kingdom, it's like, wow, there's lots to know. Wow, there's lots to learn. Wow, God is so big and vast. Man, I got to start learning. Well, if that's you, that means you've realized there's a lot of wisdom that you don't have. You ever recognize that there's wisdom that you didn't know you needed and didn't know that you needed to pursue? So Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, we need both of those. And it does take some effort on, on our part. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This is when Jesus was born. And his family, uh, you know, was raised, you know, Mary and Joseph were the parents of Jesus, uh, and they raised him according to the Hebrew law, the law of Moses. They raised him as perfect as they could as a Jewish boy. Verse 39, Luke 2, 39, so when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew, talking about Jesus, and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. You see that? Well, he had to grow in spirit, strong in spirit. You need to grow strong in spirit. Everybody realize that. You need to grow strong in spirit. Write that down as a to-do. You can go ahead and plan your 2024 resolutions. Grow strong in spirit. That's a lot different than God, please, gimme, 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 gimme. Grow strong in spirit, resolution. And then be filled with wisdom. 
Resolution number two. As a believer, you come in the kingdom. Now you got to grow strong in spirit, find out what that means and get there. And then you need to be filled with wisdom and the grace of God. Praise the Lord. So now these are spiritual pursuits. How many of you are at least halfway spiritual in here? Raise your hand if you're halfway spiritual. Raise your, raise your hand if you care at least a little bit about spiritual things. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right, praise the Lord. If you don't care about spiritual things yet, sent by somebody that does. And then verse 41, uh, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus gathered behind, excuse me, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. 12-year-old boy. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. What a life. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So it was after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they said to him, uh, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Didn't you not know I must be about my father's business? Sounds like a little smart aleck teenager, doesn't it? <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. It just sounds like it. But no, he was, he was describing that he has stepped into his call. He has stepped into uh, another phase of his growth because at age 13 is when you're called a man. The, the Hebrews, you know, have their bar mitzvah, and that means you have become a man now. And so he was right at that juncture, and he was just saying, hey, I have, there's a will of God on my life, and what would you expect for a young man to be doing, right? So uh, if we're following Jesus, we should all get to this place where we're about our Father's business. In your Christianity, you, you need to get serious enough to say, you know what? I need to be about my father's business. That means I need to care about what he's caring about. I need to be part of what he's part of. Uh, I need to be interested in finding out what he would have of me, what he needs of me, what he wants of me. Where can I fit? What can I do? I need to be about my father's business because I'm following after his steps. Even Jesus Jesus had to go through growth steps. Jesus had to do it right. We all need to do it right. Look at chapter 2 here, verse uh, 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. We need to be increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Those are goals. You need it. Right. Today, we're going to talk more about the power side, uh, Christ, the power of God. Next week, hopefully, the wisdom side. We need both. They're both very exciting, very exciting. <clears throat> Turn to, uh, we're here in chapter 3 of Luke. Uh, <clears throat> if you recall over in the Old Testament, it says there are several scriptures that say that God made the earth by his power and he established the world by his wisdom. So power and wisdom go together. They're the nature of God. In the Old Testament, it said the spirit of God was going to rest upon the Messiah. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might or power. Knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord was going to rest upon him. So these are attributes that Jesus had or was going to have. So right now you haven't seen any power, have you? From age 12 to verse 52, there's no power, just wisdom, stature, grace, and favor. Isn't that right? So power is about to come, but both of those are pretty exciting. Wisdom and power are pretty exciting things. And you've all felt them, I think. Uh, and, and so I'm just going to put my finger on some of that to make sure you understand. Wisdom and power, those are the really two things that make life worth living. If it wasn't for wisdom and power, you could just go to heaven the day you get saved. But there's something that makes life worth living, where God is real. 
where involvement with God is real. So without wisdom and power, you're not going to have a fruitful Christian life. And that's the exciting part. That's what keeps our pursuit on fire for God. So we could sing an old country song. The only two things in life that make it worth living. I can tell none of you even know the next, and I'm not allowed to sing the next line. Praise the Lord. So when we're talking about, I'm just going to do a, a quick 60 second on wisdom. Wisdom involves how your relationships with people, how to deal with people properly, how to have a right demeanor, right attitude. Uh, wisdom has to do with your words, how you talk, and how you don't talk. I just saw some confirmation there like... Wisdom in raising children, wisdom in money, how you handle money, uh, how you think of money, wisdom in staying away from worldly lusts, wisdom in applying the Bible truths scripturally, realistically. Uh, anybody can read the Bible and take it out of context and go do something ridiculous. Uh, wisdom is needed in avoiding the ditch. Many times Christians get excited and, and they get so excited about one particular thing, they end up in the ditch, all excited about this one thing, and they're missing their whole Christian w way. Uh, we call it hyper-spiritual, doctrine imbalance, and really deviation from Scripture will get you in the ditch if you're not, if you're not understanding it properly. And, and really, you know, you got to be careful. You, we get, don't get so excited that you can't let Scripture pull you back to where you're supposed to be. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen this happen with, with uh, mental problems, bipolar stuff. People end up in the hospital. Uh, and that's one of the signs the doctor says <laughs> that you have a mental imbalance is hyper-spirituality. You can't be looking for demons under every rock. You can't, you can't live a daily life overhearing the voice of God. God told me, God told me, God told me, God told me. Be careful of that. You don't see that as a pattern in the Bible. That's not how Jesus talked. That's not how the apostles talked. That's not how the Bible's written. You don't need to talk like that. So those are signs that you're headed towards the ditch. Be very careful of that. I know it's exciting that God's told you stuff. He does tell us things. But be, be careful how you deal with that. How, how you, I, I don't overuse it preaching. Well, God told me today and God told me today and God, you don't hear that from me. Because I know it sounds unhealthy. It is unhealthy. <clears throat> All right, is that good enough for today? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And then even in hearing from God, you need to know when it's just self. A lot of people have had, they started having some faith in hearing God's voice and then they overuse that and really it's just self talking and uh, sometimes the devil, but the devil will help self hear a bunch of self things. So if the voice you keep hearing is all about self, 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 how great and how wonderful and all this stuff about me that pumps you up, if that voice is always pumping you up like you're something, it ain't from God. Well, God showed me all the wonderful things. Yeah, well. <clears throat> be careful, be careful. Luke chapter 3, let's talk about the, the power of God here. Luke chapter 3, verse 22. Uh, this is Jesus got baptized in water in verse 21. He had to get baptized in water. That was part of the process. And John said, I don't want to baptize you. Jesus said, you got to baptize me to, to fulfill all righteousness. I got to be an example to all the believers to get dunked in water, showing an, an, old, an old burial and a new resurrection. I got to do it. Yeah. Verse 22, and then the Holy Spirit descended bodily in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you're my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. So the Holy Spirit, after he got baptized, came upon him, that would be called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not just water, but Holy Spirit come upon, poured on, smeared on 
connected to. Verse 23, now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, son of Eli. Notice that he began his ministry when? 30 years old after the Holy Spirit came upon him. Jesus did not begin his ministry when he was young. 30 years old uh, was the age of, of what the rabbinical law says rabbis, teachers have to be in order to be a teacher, 30 years old. And so Jesus did not begin his ministry until 30, until he was filled with the power, until the Holy Spirit came. So until this time, the Holy Spirit was not upon Jesus. You understand that, right? That Jesus was not just God walking around since day one doing all kinds of stuff. So the little cute cartoons you see of baby Jesus splitting water and stuff like that in the bathtub is not true. Oh, that'd be Moses. Well, whatever. Walking on water, walking on water when he's a toddler. That, that's not true, okay? So Jesus did not have the power to work the miracles until the Holy Spirit came upon him. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him, then he had the power to work miracles. And you'll see real quickly that he did his first miracle. And then he did his second miracle. And the Bible says first miracle, second miracle. And it was after 30 years old, after the Holy Spirit came upon him. And so what, just a little uh, quick foresight that you're going to see where the Holy Spirit can come upon you and should come upon you. And then you can work your first miracle and your second miracle. And then that's it. No more miracles for you. No, just kidding. Uh, go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Oh, I didn't, uh, I didn't actually finish Luke. I'll just have to tell you. Uh, no, I'll have to read it. Go back to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I mean, I could quote it, but I want I you to see it. Some things you got to see. You got to see. And if you have a paper Bible, it should be underlined. If you have a digital Bible, it should be highlighted. Find a way to highlight so you know where to get back to these scriptures. Luke chapter 4. So Jesus was filled with the Spirit or, or clothed with the Spirit when he came out of the water. But then verse 1 of chapter 4, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and then was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice that. You never see him being led by the Spirit till he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's important for us, that you're going to find it very difficult to be led by the Spirit till you get filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues. Now, Jesus, people say, well, Jesus didn't speak with tongues. Well, Tongues is a specific attribute of the church age. Tongues is the specific thing that we need that Jesus didn't need. Because Jesus was totally sinless, he had perfect communion with the Father. Because we've had to deal with sin and been forgiven and cleaned and wiped the slate, uh, we still need a com communication with God and tongues is it. Tongues will cease one day, but right now we need tongues. The Bible says one day tongues will, when, when Jesus comes, when that which is perfect has come, tongue ceases. But now tongues is necessary so that we have an open line of communication from God the Father to the Holy Spirit, to our spirit, out of our mouth to God. Tongues is part of life, okay? For, for a spirit-filled people, for Christians really, it's supposed to be part of our life. And so Jesus was not led properly until he was filled with the Spirit. So he returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And so this was just part of his preparation for ministry. He had to go fast and pray for 40 days. And really, I would say, get familiar with the Holy Spirit. Every believer needs to get filled with the Spirit and then get close to him. Spend time. You don't have to do 40 days of fasting, but it might be fun. It won't be fun to your flesh, It'll be fun to your spirit. You can at least fast one day, four days, 40, 14 days. You can at least fast a little bit, one day a week, two days a week, one day a month for something. 
and use that time to get to know the Holy Spirit. In this moment, he has not been with the Holy Spirit for 30 years. He finally gets clothed with the Holy Spirit, God's very own spirit put upon him. That was kind of exciting, I would bet. He was probably very, very thankful that the, the Spirit led him out to the wilderness to go have no interaction with people, just the Holy Spirit. And then Mark's gospel said and he was with the wild beast also. What was he doing with the wild beast? I don't know, riding them? Taking authority over them? Telling them to, maybe he was just petting the wild beast. And then the devil tempted him. Uh, so as you get, you know, as you're, as you're walking with God, the devil's going to tempt you to do ridiculous things. Uh, and then Jesus stopped him real quickly. So uh, if the devil's dogging you all the time, then you hadn't done it right. The devil just offered Jesus three sins, and Jesus said, I ain't doing it, I ain't doing it, I ain't doing it. Really, he just quoted a scripture, quoted a scripture, quoted a scripture. The devil left him. So you shouldn't have too much uh, going on with the devil. And, and the, the quicker you learn the Bible, the easier it will be for you to just kind of flick your wrist at the devil rather than have a prayer meeting to get the devil off of you. Uh, okay, chapter four, verse 13. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time, meaning the devil's never gonna leave you alone forever, uh, but he will, he will leave you for a long time. Amen. Verse 14, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the region. I like to note that uh, he left full of the Spirit, and he returned in the power of the Spirit. So as you get closer to the Holy Spirit, you'll see more power operating in your life. So let's talk about the power. You need it. I need it. We need to follow Jesus. He said, people say, well, you know, he had power. He, he, Jesus did all these things. He had power. He, he had power of God. He had power. Well, Jesus said, you shall receive power. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. All throughout his ministry training with his disciples, he said, behold, I give you power to cure diseases, authority over all demons, over and over again. I give you power to heal. I give you power to work the works that I do. He said, the works that I do, you will do also in greater works. Well, how are you going to do works of Jesus without the power? And non-spirit-filled people say, well, you know, he, he's talking about just feeding the poor. He, he, fed, he fed the 5,000, so he's just talking about feeding people. No, he said, in my name, you're going to do what I've done. In my name, I want you to go preach the gospel. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to speak with tongues. I want you to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, he's wanting us to do what he did with the same power he had, because he said, you're going to get the power. Matter of fact, he said, go tell the whole world, but don't go until you get the power. That's one of those thrilling parts of the gospel of the kingdom that non-spirit filled people don't know until they hear it. Some of you might not be filled with the spirit. This might be the first time you're hearing about this power stuff. You ought to get thrilled with it. Rather than think, these Houston Faith Church people are kind of kooky. Don't think that. Think, it's in the Bible. It's for me. We're just reading the Bible. Come on, this separates the men from the boys. It separates the, the deaf people from the people that can hear. He that had ears to hear, let him hear. If when stuff like this is preached, you go numb and silent... You don't have ears. We'll pray for you to have ears. You don't have ears. Listen, you need to know that that's who Jesus was talking about. He said, you who have ears to hear, let him hear. You need to be fully open to all scripture. So he returned in the power of the spirit. Praise the Lord. All right. So go to Colossians now. Colossians chapter one.
Verse 24, Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affections of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister. Colossians 1.25, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, this mystery is summed up now. Now, the church is a mystery in itself. When Paul said, you know, I speak of Christ in the church like a husband and wife, that's a mystery. Church is kind of mysterious. Like, we're a living organism. We're not just an assembly room in a civic hall. We're a living organism somehow. That's a mystery. But Christ in you is a mystery. Now, once he's in you, it ain't mysterious. You just need to put some effort toward it. Christ in me is the hope of glory. This is the mystery that Christ is in me. Notice it's not Jesus in me, even though he is. What's in me? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The anointed one in you. The one with power in you. This is not just an encouraging. He's in, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not Jesus who strengthens you. It's Christ. Okay, don't get mad at me. Same person, same thing. Fine, you can say Jesus too. But technically, the scripture wants to make a point that it's Christ, the anointed one with power in you. I can do all things through the power. The one with power who's in me. I can do all things through him. It's different, isn't it? So now you and I need to get familiar with the power. Ephesians 3, that God would do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. What? Yeah, this is not just about you having a, a little tag that says God will bless me. This is about you having God get involved in your life according to the power in you. So there's a working that you're going to have to have with the Holy Spirit and understanding Christ, the power, if you're going to have power in your life. Now, now go do it. It's like, well, could you please explain that? Give me the five steps. There ain't five steps. You got to go do it now. You got to go get close to the Holy Spirit so you can learn. You got to go start practicing the voice of God and the being spirit led. And you got to go start doing some stuff with him to get familiar with him. Go out and hang out with a wild beast. No, I'm just kidding. Just don't do that until you have faith to be in the wilderness. Most people can't even handle an ant, much less a wild beast. One little bug hits you and you, So I don't suggest you go to the wilderness for your 40 days of fasting. Just go to your bedroom. Uh, Colossians 3, since we're here, verse 3, Colossians 3, 3, uh, or, or we could just read verse 1 through 3. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with the power of God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And this is a type of scripture that you need to think on so that you feel safe. Do you feel safe at the house? Do you feel safe in the car? Do you feel safe when you're walking around outside? Do you always feel safe everywhere? Well, if in your heart you believed fully, you know what? My life is hidden with Christ. And that means a lot of things. My life is hidden with Christ. I'm not afraid of anything, especially the devil. If you're in Christ, I'm hidden from the devil. He can't even get close enough. 
doesn't mean you won't be tempted. doesn't mean he won't bother you. It does mean that you can just, you know, kick him in the face. You can slam the door in, in his face. Doesn't, it means you just get behind. Devil, get behind. I got to go this way. Get behind. We did one time at the church, I think I've, did I tell you this lately? One time, one year at the church, we did a message and I had people put a piece of tape on the bottom of their shoe and write a scripture on it. It's like, why you got that scripture on the bottom of your shoe? So the devil can read it. Uh, the power of God is what uh, alerts us uh, that there's proof and evidence of a real God. Remember how you used to be? You believed in God. Remember before you were saved and filled with the Spirit? You believed in God. But then when you found out the power of God made him real, it changed everything. You mean God will actually answer a prayer? You mean I can be 100% confident when I pray that he will actually do the thing I've asked? Now, wait a second, wait a second. I never heard that before. You mean, you mean I can actually be healed by the power of God? Not just through medicine and doctor? You mean he still works miracles? I never heard that before. You mean he will talk to me? That, that was my thing. God talks to people? That's it. If God talks to people, he'll talk to me. I, I, when the first time I heard that, I heard somebody talking, saying they had a conversation with God, and God told them and showed them. And, you mean I've been missing this for 26 years? I believed in God all this time. I thought he was just the silent one up there. We just pray and he doesn't say anything. I never even expected God to say something. Nobody told me he would talk back. And so in this modern day, I think the words got out, hasn't it? I mean, before you're in the kingdom, you're clueless and blind and deaf, right? Eyes that they may not see, having eyes and, and be, whatever, blind and, and not being able, ears and not be able to hear. I mean, you wonder, how come people are missing it? Well, they're just blinded by the devil. But once you get unblinded, it's like, what? God can lead me? He can give me direction in life? I don't have to be so scared of every step I take and every move I make and every decision I'm up against. That's a life changer. The power of God is necessary for all of us. It gives us an advantage in life. And it's not automatic. It's not automatic. Just because you're a Christian, just because you're filled with the Spirit, doesn't mean the power is just automatic. There is a working with the Holy Spirit in order to get the power to work in your life. You could even apply this to fear. The power of God helps you recognize you don't have to be afraid of anything. I mean, you got to follow Jesus. He was afraid of nothing, wasn't he? I said Jesus was afraid of nothing. Not the lions. The orangutans, they don't have orangutans there. Not the lions and not the uh, spiders and the roaches. He was not even afraid of a roach. How do you act when a bug touches you? You need to read Pastor Joni's Eliminate the Fear Factor book. She has some stories of getting over those little... Re- Ridiculous fears Amen. from the tiniest bug to the financial strain to all the things that bother you, Amen. to all the things that cause anxiety. When will we stop being afraid? When will we follow Jesus? He wasn't afraid of anything. He wasn't afraid of the leper when he touched him. He wasn't afraid of the devil in the, or the wild beast in the wilderness. Jesus wasn't afraid of the storm. He was asleep on a pillow. Can you sleep in a storm? Oh my gosh, I get so afraid when the storms. Well, quit that. I said, quit that. Listen, by the Spirit, I can help you right here. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, quit that. Quit that. Quit being scared on purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember one time I, in the past couple of years, I was preaching on something maybe along this line in some way, and I had a word from God that there was somebody that was afraid of water. That's a strange thing to be afraid of. 
And that's all I knew to say and commanded it to stop. And, and, and that next weekend, we had a baptism and people got baptized. And then a testimony came in and said, I had wanted to be baptized for so long, but I was afraid of going under the water. But because of that word, I had faith and I overcame it and not afraid of water. In, listen, some of these things are very small in scale, they, but if it's you, it ain't small. If you're afraid of a bug on you, it, it ain't, it's a big deal. If it causes your heart to race, it's a big deal. You're going to have to overcome those things. Because all throughout scripture, Jesus and God says, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. And he had to say it all the time with his, with his toughest disciples, his toughest disciples. They woke him up. Aren't you master? Aren't you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. He's still the storm. He's expecting them to have some faith. <clears throat> Even after they saw the demon possessed get set free, they're afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When, the when all the demons go into the swine, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Even when, when, they did, when he did the miracle and, and, and had so many fish that it broke the nets, he had to tell his disciples, don't be afraid. You got to be like Jesus and you can't be afraid of stuff. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Uh, here's, here's some other examples that you, I mean, there's plenty of these, but an example of in a conversation uh, where you're afraid that someone, the way you act and react in a conversation if it's negative, if it's not godly, a lot of times it's because you're afraid of them thinking something wrong of you. Think of all those times in conversation where your opinion is getting squished. Somebody's not understanding you. It's, it scares you, so you overreact, and then you got to repent. you got to apologize. That's when it goes silent in the church. No amens, nobody's... Afraid you're not going to get your way. You cannot be afraid that you're not going to get your way. Amen. See, fear, fear goes, the thread of fear touches all these aspects of your life. The way you act at work, the way you think about money, the way you treat your spouse, your friends, the way you drive. The, everything could be touched by fear, but now you're spirit-filled. Now faith is supposed to wipe it out. You should not be driving with fear. Listen, if you detect fear when you drive, you need to fast and pray for two or three days. Get over that fear because whatever you can't do in faith opens the door for the devil. The Bible says whatever you don't do in faith is a sin. You need to get your faith on top of your driving to, until it just completely erases all intimidation and fear. Or you're going to open the door to the devil. Listen, Christ in you is how you do it. The power of God in you. God protects me. Psalm 91 gives me a, a stone to stand on. New Testament scripture gives me a stone to stand on. I can do all things through Christ. All things are possible. God covers me with his feathers. Under his shadow, I trust. You got to find a way to not be afraid in the traffic. I don't care if you have to quote the scripture a hundred times a day until it's gone. Find a way. Whatever you're afraid of, you have to beat it. <clears throat> and you can beat it. Not by willpower, not by just faking it, not by just ignoring it, but by the power, by the power, by Christ in you, the power of God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. For yourself, for other people. Power of God, you need faith in the power of God. For your own healing, you need faith in the power of God. Did you know if Christ is in you and the power of God is in you, that then he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal flesh? If the power's in you and God's within you and the, and the, the, the anointed one's in you, then your body can be healed. Amen. Now focus on it. Focus on it for about 100 hours. You've worried for 100 hours. You run into a health concern, you've worried about it for 50 hours a week. Why don't you turn that around and start applying some faith for 50 hours? 50 hours. 
separates the men, exactly, the men from the boys. What about the ladies? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How much further can we go with this? Well, it'll take forever, right? To be like Christ, to be like the anointed one, to recognize the power of God's available to you just as it was to him. Do you realize it's just as available to us as to him? Otherwise, he couldn't have said, you know, people say, well, he was sent by God. Well, you're sent just the same way. John 20, 21, as my father has sent me, even so I send you. You've been sent to this world with power to show the goodness of God. You're going to have to start praying for people. You're going to have to start laying hands on people. You're going to have to try to help people get delivered from what they're dealing with. You're going to have to, you know, lay your hands with the power of God so that they will come to church. When you invite somebody to church and they say, oh, I'll think about it. Say, let me pray for you. Bam. Now you're coming. No, no, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't. If, maybe, maybe that works. If you're having trouble with somebody, they won't come to church. Maybe that work. Just get permission from them. Don't lay hands on people suddenly. I mean, get real loud. Just shock them, scare them almost. Just shock them with power. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We have some work to do, don't we? You know, he had a certain way of thinking. You need the same. People say, well, his mind wasn't as cluttered as mine. Exactly. You got to guard against being cluttered in your own mind. The Bible says that we're supposed to have the mind of Christ, that we're supposed to set our mind on heavenly things, not things on the flesh. We do supposed to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So somehow you have to quit thinking like an American or a dual citizen, wherever your country, whatever. Stop thinking like a human uh, on the earth and start thinking like Christ on a throne. The anointed one with power on a throne has dominion and authority and sees a perspective from, hev from heaven that's different than your perspective. You've got to think that way. Hallelujah. It'll change the way you act, change the way you react. It'll change your hope. It'll give you faith when you can start seeing it the way God sees it. Amen. You know, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. As though uh, God made us ambassadors for Christ, that we would reconcile the world to God. Be reconciled to God. And then he's made us ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador for Christ is one sent from another country, Right? Well, that's proof our country is heaven. It's not this one. You want to make sure you're loving heaven more than every other country. <clears throat> so we're ambassadors of Christ sent from heaven to do heaven's will. You understand that? Isn't that what an ambassador does? We have ambassadors from other countries in the United States. And they're doing things, right? What are they doing? They're doing the will of their country. When they speak, they're speaking on behalf of their country. And, and, and I think the definition of an ambassador is not just a person, it's an embodiment of that country. Like they're, it's like the land is in the person. Everything that country represents is in the person. The person is a piece of that, not just a person with a flag, a piece of that. So you can't, that's why in America, you cannot arrest an ambassador from another country. How could you, how could you arrest a country? I've always wondered that. It always made me a little upset. How come an ambassador can do anything he wants and break all the laws and not get put in jail? They have what? Diplomatic immunity. You only know that because you've watched some television. <laughs> Diplomatic immunity is like, that's the, that's the dumbest rule I've ever heard. If they break the law, you put them in jail. But the nature of ambassador means you can't because they represent the country. They are the country. You are an ambassador from heaven. 
That's why we have authority in this earth. That's why we have a right to talk to people about Jesus. We have a right to set demon-possessed people free. We have a right to heal the sick. We have a right to proclaim God's goodness. We have a right to rebuke and instruct and admonish and teach. And all of these things that heaven needs us doing, we have a right, we have authority, we have a position. We're looked at from heaven as those who are running this earth. As those who are implementing heaven's will in the earth. That's why when we pray, something happens. And if we don't pray, it doesn't. Just like Christ. God had to send Christ to this earth. And he had to leave you here in the earth. So that you could do heaven's will as an ambassador. Hallelujah. Come on, let it, let it pump you up. Let it lift you up. Let it sit you up. Let it stand you straight. Let it cause you to be better. Let it cause you to not be some mumbling, grumbling, average Christian. Let it cause you to feel like you're important to God. And once you're important to God, you'll treat people well. Once you know you're important to God, you'll treat people better. You won't be able to, you won't get offended. Once you know you're important to God, it just eliminates all this all the junk. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.